Hi, this is Jim Lyon. You're listening to Viewpoint. Happy New Year. And with us today, Jamie Wilkerson. How are you? I'm doing great. Hey, I hope the new year is so far so good. Yes, so far so good. I don't know about you, but as I'm looking at this new year, I have some hope, even though the pandemic still rages. I'm hoping that before too many more months pass, we'll find our way free of all the restrictions and the quarantines and the disease that has so ravaged not just our country, but the world. But as I'm hopeful, I know I still have to stay indoors some of the time because we're not out of the woods yet with this pandemic. And that drives me sometimes, not always, but to my <laughs> television, to that flat screen in the room I call my den. And my wife and I have been just so into a Netflix series called The Crown. Now, you told me last week, uh, Jamie, you haven't seen The Crown, right? I haven't. And then I promised you I was going to give you my DVDs. Yes. And I didn't. No. <laughs> <laughs> okay, but before this week is over, I'm I'm dropping them off for you, I promise. All right. Pinky All right. swear. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> because The Crown is so amazing. I mean, this has become one of the most popular and talked about television series of all time. Okay, but you know what The Crown's about, don't you? What's it about? Oh, yes. It is about the royal family. <laughs> and when we say the royal family, we're not talking about Sweden. Right. <laughs> we're talking about the United Kingdom, Queen Elizabeth and her tribe. And The Crown is really about Queen Elizabeth and her journey. And, of course, she has some very interesting characters that come alongside. We all have been experiencing the headlines, many of us, for longer uh, than we want to remember. But she became the queen in 1952. She is the longest reigning monarch in English history. And her husband, the Duke of Edinburgh, is now 99. He'll be 100 this year. She's turning 95. They've been married over 70 years. They have four children, grandchildren, great-grandchildren, all the rest. I mean, people are fascinated by this. The crown. Well, you know what? Let's unpack that and find out if there's something more to the crown than just Netflix has in store. I know you haven't seen The Crown yet because I haven't brought my DVDs over yet. Okay? Right. <laughs> but I know that you're kind of, what well, shall I say, a fan of the royal family. I mean, I you're interested yes. in some of that story. Uh, what have. is it about that whole um, Buckingham Palace thing that you think has so much interest? You know, I think that part of the excitement with the royals is, one, we really don't know what they're thinking. There's this shroud of mystery uh, around them. I think that's them it. I think that does that make kind it... kind of draws us in. It does make us uh, more interested. Mm-hmm. Mystery? Anything else? Just the whole dignity. Okay, so for example, one of my very favorite things about the royal family is their response to... Um, criticism or, you know, because there are British tabloids. And I think about how, you know, here in America, I mean, there's tabloids everywhere. And no matter what's going on around them, no matter if there are people heckling them, it they could be, it could be anything going on. But I don't know if you've seen like um, one of the, like the motorcade when they're driving through the crowds and, you know, there are lots of people cheering, but, you know, there may be some people that aren't cheering. But no matter what's going on outside, 
they're waving and their their heads are up, their posture is, they have a certain posture, you know. And so sometimes there have been times in life where I've had to draw on that and say, <laughs> well, you know what, I am royal. I am a royal, I'm of a royal priesthood. And so how will I respond to this? And I think about them and how, you know, I don't know what's playing in those vehicles when they're driving. It could be just the most beautiful classical music as I would imagine. But, you know, just I love that, you know, just kind of drawn from that example that they've they've given us over the years. They've certainly created the the screen. Oh, yes. That they're somehow above the fray. Mm-hmm. And there is something magnetic about that, too. And and the stories are hard. And every now and then we see behind the veil something uh, personally is disclosed. But I understand what you're saying. And that that mystique is maybe what draws us it. to it. Yeah. Uh, even though we know there's some real tragedy and drama mm-hmm. and some difficult subjects that mm-hmm. must be faced within that house and family. The Crown, as a production, has very high values. The costumes, the sets, uh, you know, kind of the coordination with what we know of the historic narrative. It's a really phenomenal watch. But today we're not really here to talk about TV so much as, as I think about The Crown... It's reminded me that there are some other royal stories in history that have stood the test of time that have a lot of drama, too, and have a real uh, human side to it because there's the regal power of a throne. There's also the human experience of what it's like to be someone thrown into a role of responsibility like that. And so as I've been watching The Crown with my wife, Maureen, I, I sometimes run in my mind backward in time to some of the other famous kings and queens of, of history. And the one that just I can't escape is King David. It may seem preposterous, but as I think about Queen Elizabeth, I sometimes think about King David. I mean, obviously, they're different people in vastly different worlds, but both of them came to the throne as young people. They were young. Uh, They both came to the throne in an age when people weren't certain that they really might have the chops to do the job. Uh, They came to their responsibilities in an age of great tumult and change. They were kind of pivots of history. Uh, Queen Elizabeth, just as the empire is beginning to recede, she comes to the throne. In David's case, the country has been in civil war and in great difficulty, and now he has some tall mountains to climb, bringing it together. I mean, they're young adults who are thrown into a role that might be beyond any person, humanly speaking, but somehow they rose to the occasion. So when I am watching The Crown, I think about David too, a man who had great gifts and some deep flaws, but the sum of whose life still stands out as something remarkable and admirable. I agree because David is my my favorite besides Jesus um, person in the Bible. And one of the reasons why is because one, David was called and I the only person in the Bible who was called a man after God's own heart. And so, you know, there's a um, there's a popular saying um successful people do what other successful people have done. And so I like to look at people in the Bible and kind of pattern after that. And David left some really great examples of courage in the place of um, fear, you know, and and just his whole desire and his 
his humility before God and his willingness to even look kind of crazy, <laughs> maybe other people thought, <laughs> yeah. as he worshiped, um, he was willing to just be free. And he really had that royal mindset from early on um, of accountability to God and, you know, and not man. He didn't, he wasn't concerned so much um, about what others thought. He was mo- mostly concerned about God's opinion of him. And so I really admire that. He had a certain humility and confidence blended together in the perfect weave, isn't it? And so David is a person who's born into a house where he becomes a shepherd, which is a very low uh, economic station in the context of its time that nobody was clamoring to get a shepherd's job. But that's how he started out. And yet he rises to become the king by the appointment of heaven an unlikely prospect, as he's identified early on as a, a young teenager, we think. And then he goes through a long struggle before he actually becomes king. Wow, there's so much to learn about that crown on David's head. Last week, Jamie, you and I talked about how Samuel, who was a great prophet, the most uh, important figure in the country of his time, uh, felt like God was calling him to anoint David to be the next king, even though years would pass before he actually came to be king. It kind of reminded me of Queen Elizabeth again. She wasn't destined to be the queen. Her father was not in the line of secession. Right. Her uncle was. Mm-hmm. But through a strange and unpredictable turn of events, her uncle abdicated the throne. Her dad becomes king. And suddenly, as she's a teenager, she's identified as the next successor to the throne after her father Everything changes, but she doesn't become the queen for quite some time. Similarly, David is identified, (laughs) you're going to be the next king, but they already have a king named Saul, and he's not going to become the king for quite a while. Mm -hmm. But in the book of 2 Samuel, in chapter 5, we see the moment when he's actually acknowledged as the king and steps into the shoes of being the king of all of Israel. And uh, Jamie... I know you have that in front of you. Tell us what it says. This is 2 Samuel chapter 5, verses 1 to 5. It says, Then all the tribes of Israel went to David at Hebron and told him, We are your own flesh and blood. In the past, when Saul was our king, you were the one who really led the forces of Israel. And the Lord told you, You will be the shepherd of my people Israel. You will be Israel's leader. So there at Hebron, King David made a covenant before the Lord with all the elders of Israel, and they anointed him king of Israel. David was 30 years old when he began to reign, and he reigned 40 years in all. He had reigned over Judah from Hebron for seven years and six months, and from Jerusalem, he reigned over all Israel and Judah for 33 years. In 1952, King George VI of the United Kingdom passed away, and his daughter, his oldest daughter, Elizabeth, became the queen. She was just 26 years old. It's hard for us to imagine, as we think about Queen Elizabeth now, who will have her 95th birthday this year, uh, as a young woman at age 26. uh, There are some living people, of course, who uh, remember those days. But for most of us, uh, Queen Elizabeth has not been just that young ingenue of age 26, and yet there she was. The whole world fell onto her shoulders Uh, that she had known, and she had to step in. Even though she'd been preparing for it, who could know the burden of responsibility she felt? And similarly, King David, uh, he had been chosen to be king, acknowledged to be king, and yet 
he was not given access to the palace. Uh, no, because there was a lot of tension about who should be the next king, and not everyone agreed that David should be that. And, and he finds himself going through some long years in the wilderness, which leads up to the, the scripture you just read, Jamie. And it's in those years that he proves himself worthy. Elizabeth didn't have to go through that. Everyone knew she'd become the queen. And during the years of the waiting room for her, people understood that she was serious about the business and was respected in a way. She sometimes was seen to be naive, and she was a young woman, after all, in a society that favored men. But David had worse. He was actually exiled from the town and uh, had to survive with people speaking badly about him and trying to take the throne away from him, and others were being stood up to be the next king. And there are some things about that journey with David's friends that set him up actually to be the king. One of those was his courage. I mean, David is courageous. If there's anything we know about him, he's got courage. We know from his childhood that he would stare down a lion protecting... Uh, his sheep, his flock, and he was not afraid. Yes. And how did that play out in the Goliath story? What do you say in the Goliath story? I, I, what I love is, yes, he had courage, but his confidence was in not in his own ability, you know, um, but it was in God. And so one of the things that I love um, about David was, you know, the Goliath had been tormenting those the people for many, you know, many, many days. And this, this, um, his words were causing even more fear, you know, and I can imagine him just shaking and trembling, you know. Talk about uh, a bully. Yes, Goliath. he was, a, he was the, the ultimate bu- bully. <laughs> and David, Talk back, you know, and he said, you know, you come to me, what he said, with sword and spirit, I come to you in the name of the Lord. And so, um, and he took what he had, you know, that was another thing that stood out. So much that stands out. I love this story. But, you know, he tried to take on the the king's um, equipment and garments and he couldn't, he took what he had, you know, God had prepared him for this all along. And so he um, he went to him and he, he didn't allow him to intimidate him because he knew that he came in the name of the Lord and that God was with him when he fought the bear and the lion and, and God was with him that day. So he told Goliath exactly what was going to happen. And <laughs> that was integrity because it did. <laughs> he did. Well, and you're so spot on. David was courageous, mm-hmm. and you're describing a story after his anointing to be king, but nobody saw him as king yet. But they saw him take down Goliath, courage grounded in his confidence in God. He knew that it was God with him that made it possible to do the impossible. And David's courage became a marker that people watched. It's no surprise then, when ultimately the country descended into chaos, they turned to David and said, Man, you're the guy because you have demonstrated, you have courage enough to stare down even Goliath, no matter what the challenges we face as a people, no matter what the crisis. If you're at the helm, we know you have courage to lead us through. That's a big deal. But as I think about David's courage, even more fundamental, maybe even a foundation stone of his courage is another word that just, you can't escape it when you're reading about David. He is a man of integrity. Mm-hmm. David demonstrates as he goes from becoming a teenager to a young man to becoming age 30 and recognized by all of Israel as their king. He is a man of his word. When he speaks, 
He does not pull blinders over anyone's eyes. He doesn't try and deceive. He's not spinning a yarn. He's not trying to manipulate them with all kinds of tales and and tribulations. He simply speaks truth as he understands it. And that integrity, proved true with courageous work, cements in the people's minds, this is our king. I think about Elizabeth in the same way. She's very careful when she speaks, isn't she? Who knows what she's like behind closed doors? But I'll tell you what, in public, nobody speaks more carefully than does Queen Elizabeth. That's part of her sense of role. Mm -hmm. David had a much more raw experience, but his followers, when you got close to him, they knew if he says we're going over here, that's what's happening. If he says be afraid of that, well, that's something we need to watch out for. If he says we've got this... They knew he believed they had this. And that's so important for us. Do you know what the word integrity means, Uh, Jamie? What's what's the the root? It's a Latin word, actually, integer, which we think about in mathematics, and an integer is a whole number. Right. So integer is Latin for whole. Whole. That's it. And and integrity comes from the same thing, doesn't it? It's the same. It's an English word that grows out of that same concept. So in a whole number, it's indivisible. So we talk about whole numbers like a number one. Mm-hmm. It's, it's not a fraction. It's not 1.5. It's one. It's a whole number, indivisible. And in mathematics, we can understand how you can do all kinds of things with whole numbers. Well, in persona, an integer, which translates into integrity as a virtue, is a person who's whole. Don't you think that David is able to stand up to Goliath because he was even then whole. Yes. He knew who he was, mm-hmm. he knew who God was, mm-hmm. and knew God was on his side. Mm-hmm. That made him whole. Even as a young man, as he's chasing down who knows what, the bad guys, or he's being chased by the bad guys, he doesn't lose his cool because he is whole. He doesn't have to prove anything. Mm-hmm. He doesn't have to tell a lie because for him... Truth is enough. He doesn't have to prove anything beyond that. He's not seeking to be king so much as he's seeking to be the man God created him to be. Mm -hmm. Wow. Yes. Now, all of this might seem like, well, that's cool for David and that's meaningful for Queen Elizabeth, but what does that mean for me? Well, then in the New Testament, um, we see that we're all a part of the royal family. The Bible says that We are a royal priesthood. So in the same way that David was considered royalty, we are considered royalty. Absolutely. David is this, I mean, towering figure in the Old Testament. But in the Old Testament age, only certain persons could be anointed by the Holy Spirit. And you just read a passage for us out of 2 Samuel where he was anointed again in the, in the company of all the leaders of Israel, which acknowledged him as king. Yes. And this was a, a new anointing for him. He had been anointed years before by Samuel. Mm-hmm. Now he's anointed fresh and new, mm-hmm. and it becomes a signature of God's hand on him. But that was a, a process that was reserved for just prophets and kings in the day. Mm-hmm. In the New Testament, we read that when Jesus died on the cross... The veil in the temple was torn in two. What this represents is the the Holy of Holies, that place where God was thought to be resident. That veil that separated the rest of us from that holy place that only the priest could enter, it was torn in two, which was as much as saying, now all of us can come into the presence of God. Now all of us can experience a calling of God. Now all of us can be used of God, instruments filled by his spirit for his kingdom purposes. 
Yes, we're all members of the royal household of faith. We are the Lord's family now, adopted as his very own children. So in all of this, these stories about Queen Elizabeth or King David actually may teach us something. Because today, right now, wherever you are, whoever you are, wherever you've been, wherever you think you're going, God has an appointment for you. And he would like to anoint you to be his royal priest, to be his family, to be his instrument, to achieve ends for the great kingdom of God of which Jesus is Lord. Wow. I mean, think about that. I'm watching the crown and I'm thinking, man, those guys, they've got so much going for them. A lot of challenges too. But the queen, at least, seems to always have a sense of duty and responsibility that liberates her from her golden cage, you might say. In my life, I want to have the same. I'm not living in a palace, but I want to have a sense of responsibility and duty that liberates me from all the ways in which others in my world sometimes feel trapped. I want to be useful, and I want to do things and great things. We can all be anointed. Jamie, I know that you've had a calling uh, in your own life, and sometimes people don't always see the calling the way you understood it. Is that fair? You know what? That's true, and and sometimes I haven't always seen it. Um, But, you know, I have learned, and it's so funny that you mentioned the fresh anointing because I lately, just with the pandemic, with everything going on and and sometimes slowing down, um, you know, because sometimes it can be busy even at home. But just I have just kind of been on this new adventure of just something similar, just a fresh anointing, because mine as well. I'm not really going to many places. <laughs> and so I've been asking God to even give me a fresh anointing, a fresh anointing. Even when I'm reading the words, some of the passages are familiar from even my childhood. But even asking, I've been asking God to give me fresh eyes to see and fresh revelation and insight and really learning how to seek God. So, An anointing has to be refreshed from time to time. Mm-hmm. And you could have an anointing as a young person and at another stage in life and another stage in life. We all need that fresh filling of the Spirit. But in the end, it's going to be the Spirit of God that allows us to fulfill our life, our destiny, and to become royalty in the sight of heaven. And today we want to invite you into this journey. As the new year begins, we want to encourage you, no matter what your circumstances or how difficult the world around us might appear, no matter how others might see you, God sees you. And he sees you as royalty. If you're willing to surrender into his hand, to join his family, allow Jesus to make you new, and then open your heart to be clothed, to be anointed, to allow the Holy Spirit to just pour onto you and into you and see what happens. We invite you. Pray with us right now. Our Father, we're so thankful that you know each of us by name and that you've brought us into this new year and that you have things for us to do. We have a destiny, a royal destiny. And we understand, Lord, that others may see us differently and we may see ourselves as insignificant. But you see us as royalty. We pray, Lord, with all humility that Jesus will make us new and fresh, cause us to be born again as we admit our sin and know that we can be forgiven by his work on the cross. And as by faith we accept that forgiveness and his lordship, Father, I pray that you will fill us with your Holy Spirit. We open up every part of our being, our dreams, our fears, 
our past, our present, and our future. We lay it all before you and ask that you will completely possess us and anoint us with your Holy Spirit that we can be used for your ends. May we have the confidence of a David and the humility of David. May we, Lord, bear our crown that you place on us well. We thank you for hearing our prayers and look forward to what this year might bring as we walk in your spirit anointed. In Jesus' name we ask it. Amen. Now, if you have prayed with us, or maybe you just listened to us and aren't sure what to do next or even what to make of what you've heard, give us a call. Just dial this number, 1-800-757-VIEW. That's 1-800-757-8439. 24 hours a day and seven days a week. We're by the phone, I promise. We are so glad to hear from you. But Jamie, if someone does not want to yet make a call, but they would like to just read some more about us online, what's our web address? Our web address is www.cbhviewpoint.org. That's right, CBH, Christians Broadcasting Hope. That's who we are, cbhviewpoint.org. You can read about the ministry there. You could also send us an email, and we will reply. Maybe you're actually accessing this conversation already on social media, and if you are, just put a note a remark in the social media feed, and we'll watch that and get right back to you too. Or at the last, just write me a letter. Address it to Jim Lyon, Viewpoint, Post Office Box 2420, Anderson, Indiana, 46018, USA. But whether you call us on the phone, check us out online, use social media, or use the post, please, in this new year, let us hear from you. Jamie, I promise you, I know you've heard it before, but I promise you, I'm bringing the DVDs of The Crown over to your house. Please. All right. Something for the new year. And to all of you who've joined us this week, thank you for coming alongside. We hope that you'll be with us again next week as we continue to unpack the series called The Crown. And hey, don't just spend all your time with Netflix. Check out that Bible too. The books of 1 Samuel, 2 Samuel, First Chronicles and Second Chronicles, rich with story about royalty. Well, until then, for all of us at the Viewpoint Ministry team, for all of us at Church of God Ministries, which is the host of our broadcast, this is Jim Lyon. Happy New Year, and stay tuned.